0: You're listening to Coffee and Valkyries, a podcast about your favorite NWSL club, OL Rain.
1: We are here with OL Rain goalkeeper, Karen Bardsley. Hi,
0: everyone. (laughs) Welcome to
1: the Pacific Northwest, Karen. How are you doing today?
0: Oh, thanks. I'm um, great, thank you. Um, I had a great day of training with the girls. Um, and yeah, I'm really loving it up here. Um, Seattle's beautiful, um, where I'm living at the moment. Uh, also an undisclosed location <laughs> <laughs> is also beautiful. Um, so yeah, I feel really, really blessed uh, to be a part of a, a really friendly, great group of people and in a, in a beautiful part of the world.
1: So the biggest question I think uh, most O-L-Rain fans have right uh, off the jump is, how did the uh, loan move uh, come about?
0: Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's um, any shock to anyone that um, off the back of my injury in 2019, um, it took me ages to recover. And in that you know time, um, quite a lot of things have moved on and I kind of uh, had to just focus on getting fit and. Um, I missed out on a lot of game time and I want to play now that I'm fully fit. Um, and, you know, I just wasn't getting the, the matches that I wanted um, at Man City. So it was it was a tough decision. Um, don't get me wrong. It was definitely like bittersweet. But at the same time, what a fantastic opportunity, you know, for me to, to come back to the States, to come to the West Coast um, and, you know, to, to be in a, in a competitive league um, and, you know, get to make lots of saves and you know, get get back to playing football and, and really, really enjoying it. Um, so obviously it's a really unique situation uh, at the moment, but um, to be honest, it works out really, really well for me contractually. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity just to get back and uh, fall back in love with football.
2: And did you, um, Karen, talk to anybody um when you were thinking about ol rain is there anyone you consulted with just to get to know the team a little bit better
0: um if you want the honest answer no um <laughs> i didn't i didn't um i didn't speak to anyone at the team at first um i knew like obviously uh, pino and and ali uh are part of the squad and um i was more concerned about um just kind of you know the, the vibe of the group, um you know what what the philosophy of the manager is, what the philosophy of the club is, and and I I knew they would all be good people. So that kind of was never really a concern of mine. Um and ultimately once I had those conversations with uh, Fareed and and Sam um and obviously Bill, um I thought yeah, like what a great opportunity for me to just Uh, you know kind of like find my shine again so I'm really looking forward to it but now that I'm here um, I I couldn't be happier with my decision like everyone's welcomed me with open arms Um, the backroom staff have just been absolutely fantastic Um, and I really like the approach to you know it it is what it is you know it's not like um, anyone's trying to hide anything like this is who we are this is what we want to do we work hard Um, we don't need anything fancy it's just like crack on and play football so I really like that it's it's really down to earth Um, and yeah I'm I'm really pleased with uh, the vibe in the group at the minute
1: when you were considering um, you know options for you to get back to playing uh, and getting some minutes along uh, was there anything about um, the setup at Rain or that at the time when you were considering options or as you've come to experience it now that you've uh, gotten out of quarantine, you're training with the team that has kind of, you know, solidified your decision to come to here?
0: I think um, the ambition of the club was something that really excited me. Um, I remember feeling something quite similar when I first joined City seven seven and a half years ago. Um, it was very much, you know, a ambitious organization with, you know, the plans to kind of really make a big push. Um, and I feel something similar uh, with OL in terms of um, it's, you know, they're they're kind of rebuilding a bit. Um, hopefully there will be some future investment in training grounds and um, future, future stadiums and things like that. But Ultimately, um, it came down to Farid, I think, and the methodology that he wants to instill in the club. And I think, um, obviously, with his previous success at at Lyon, you know, he knows his stuff. So um, I think it's gonna take a bit of time to see the impact, but to be a part of it, even just a small part, um, is something really important to me and uh, to contribute where I can on and off the pitch. is something that's exciting to me I think from a more holistic perspective other than just just football so um that was something that that really excited me and I said like I just want to be challenged you know whether it's in goal or you know whether I can just get more sessions or or whatever it is you know I just want to um have the coaching staff push me and have the players push me and um just be a badass (laughs)
2: I'm going to ask you a question to take that's going to take you like way, way, way back. We're talking about the present now. But um, <laughs> can you just talk a little bit about what your path to becoming a pro soccer player looked like?
0: Sure. Um, I think like most American kids, um, it's it's probably pretty similar uh, up to an extent. Um, And I've not been able to say that for a while, like with doing interviews in in England, it's obviously like a very different path, but uh, yeah, I started um, playing AYSO all those ages ago. Um, I signed up outside like a local Albertsons. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it was actually after I started playing softball as well, Um, I, I was I was all right at it, but I hated it. I just thought it was so boring. So apologies to all you softball people out there. But um yeah, like football for me was something that my dad had a lot of interest in. Um my family, my, my granddad used to ring all the time and you know, just talk football. Um and so I got the chance to take it up. Um I just loved being active and like running about. So um I played goal but like I much preferred you know playing on the wing or in the midfield so um but yeah eventually I went through the age groups and then got selected for like the spring select and then um we went to a few travel tournaments and then I got picked up by the Chino Hills Nightmares our local club team um and I think we started out just like at the bottom of the, the the league table or even what would you call it? I think it was like bronze at the, at that time. So we had to kind of work our way up by playing loads of games and winning. So got all the way up to gold. And then I think when you get to a certain age, you can play in the elite flight or whatever it is. But yeah, went through that, went to Upland Celtic at 12 or 13, Um, played with them for a few years. And I went to the SoCal Blues at uh, 15 and played with them until I graduated from high school and went to Cal State Fullerton on a scholarship so that's kind of where my path took me in terms of my collegiate pathway and then after that oh man the um the WPS start oh no sorry the WSA started in 2003 I believe um and I was buzzing because I, I just graduated from high school I thought right okay you know I'll play in college for four years and then I'll go and play professionally and then before you know it the the league collapses and like, well, right, okay, now what? Um, so I graduated after I broke a broken leg. So I redshirted. I graduated in 2006 um, and then played semi-professionally with IAX America Women out of um, Rancho Palos Verdes. Uh, played with them for a year and then went to the Pali Blues. Um, and then I got drafted when the WPS came back round uh, in 2009 to Sky Blue. Um, so that was my first taste of like proper professional football. Um, but yeah, it was quite a windy road. I'm not gonna lie. It was not a straight path. Um, if it would have been, it probably would have been very boring.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> you just mentioned that when you were younger, you didn't want to play goalkeeper. You like to run around. When, when did like goalkeeper become your position?
0: Well, I mean, I have to be honest, I was very good at it from a very young age, probably because I was the only one that didn't mind like getting in the way and diving and, you know, throwing myself around. Um, So, yeah, I liked it because I got to do something like unique and I was the only one that could like handle the ball. But at the same time, I just had far too much energy just to be standing there, you know. Um, So I, I would say I didn't really kind of like settle into it until I was probably about 12, 11 or 12, sorry. Um, And then it just kind of found me like, I think you just kind of get thrown into different positions sometimes and you're like, oh God, I'm way better at that than I am at the other one. So I'll just stick with this and then see where it takes me. And here we are (laughs) 30 some odd years later.
2: (laughs) Well, as someone who got thrown into goalkeeper around that age, who like screamed when the ball came over half field, (laughs) I appreciate your mentality a lot more
0: did you make lots of like little neck uh, headdresses and stuff out of the flowers around you
2: no i liked i wanted to run so yeah (laughs) i I was like the ball would get near half and i would just freak out like it's too close close."
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh the pressure Kind of jumping back a little bit to WPS, like you spent a couple of years in the WPS before that league collapsed, and then went to Sweden for, I think, a year and then to England and now back to the United States. And all through this time, like all of the women's leagues around the world have kind of been going through this twisting, topsy-turvy development process too. Like what's kind of been your impression of experiencing that firsthand as a pro and kind of seeing how it's progressing? Yeah, I've been really fortunate to kind of be at the forefront of several um, movements, I guess you would say. Like um, obviously the women's football in the States is very well established. You know, you've got your Mia Hams, your Brownie Chastain's, your Michelle Akers, all the people that came long before we did. Um, and then obviously the, 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 the girls have still been championing that spirit. You know, you've got players like Megan Rapino who are, globally well-known, um, which is pretty cool when you think about where the humble roots of women's football. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I was, I think I was in a bit of a bubble to be honest. Um, when I was younger, um, I didn't really know what the game was like, um, anywhere else, uh, and so by kind of going and experiencing these other leagues, um you get to learn a lot from other people, other coaches, and their philosophy and their approach to football. So that was something that was really eye-opening to me. Um and I realized that there were a lot of real basic things that I missed out on. Um not through any, any fault of anyone, um, but simple techniques. Um that coaches just probably uh, either didn't know at all or didn't have the capability to to teach. Um, because, I mean, a lot of them are, are parents, you know, that you start out at that age and you probably don't learn back foot receive or anything like that, you know, checking shoulders, I guess. It, you just you just don't really get taught that um, at that level. Um, and interesting at the same time, uh, interestingly, the, the the position of goalkeeper itself has just seen a rapid evolution. So <laughs> not only was the game changing quickly with the rules, but obviously the position itself, the, the use of the goalkeeper was really, really changing. And, and um, I didn't really realize that until I went to Europe and thought, <laughs> okay, um, that's something I really need to get better at. Um, and so yeah uh, at at the time in 2009 like the WPS was the elite of the elite it was bringing in international talent from all over the world Um, you know it was being billed massively as this thing that everybody wanted to be a part of so I think that was really cool Um, what was interesting though was as a collegiate athlete you have this idea of what professional sport is going to be like and then when you go <laughs> you think hang on a minute like my my collegiate experience was far more professional quote-unquote professional than this than this league is so that was really a bit of a shock um, in my opinion Um, uh, obviously it's evolved a little bit but I still don't think it's nearly where it needs to be, um, particularly for the domestic players coming out of college and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, Sweden was a really interesting one because I was there at the time when I think there was a bit of a transitional period in Swedish football. Um, It it was a predominantly strong league with teams like um, Umeå, Malmo, Ciruso, you know, like bringing in big talent that – was coming across from the league that had just folded in the States. Um, and, you know, the history of like Sweden and Norway, Norway were massive powerhouses in the not, in like late eighties, early nineties, constantly competing with the US. So I thought, oh, brilliant. Like this is like the only other professional league that I know of maybe beside Germany. So let's go there and check it out. And I only really knew about that because some of my former teammates had had told me that they played there in the past and they really enjoyed it. So I thought, yeah, why not give it a go? <laughs> so again, it's another life experience. Um, I first went on off the back of the WPS. So I had three months uh, left to finish in Sweden before their season finished. So, you know, it was just kind of seeing what it was like. I really enjoyed it. I thought the facilities were at least more organized and more professional than the WPS. So I thought, yeah, I'll stay here. then um, so I re-signed and went home for this, the winter. Um, and in that period, without my knowing, uh, they had hired a new coach, <laughs> got rid of several people, and I showed up and was told, hey, come and meet the new team. Come meet your new manager. And I was like, what are you what do you want about? What do you mean, a new manager? So that was a bit of a shock. Um, needless to say, that was the last season I spent there. <laughs> and then uh yeah, I moved to to England. Um and I started out at Lincoln, and this was quite interesting because Lincoln had this. I mean, who wants I've never heard of it before? I was just kind of going off the reputation of a few of my teammates. Um a few things that they had told me
2: I said oh yeah you know
0: this club they're really ambitious <coughs> excuse me they're really ambitious um they really want to do things properly um they're going to go fully professional and I'm like oh brilliant this sounds great and it was just pardon my French but the biggest shit show um you know it, it was just not what it was billed to be so it was really really frustrating um despite a great group of girls, really, really good group of girls. Um, it was just really disappointing to see how little um, investment was actually being made. And um, yeah, the it was just before like England really decided to make a big push going forward. And to be honest, it was probably because we really sucked at the Euros in 2013. <laughs> and they probably thought, okay, like we're going to have to like invest here um so yeah that was kind of the start of things went to man city the next season and just really felt like i personally just kicked off from there um just learned a lot grew a lot um just exposed to lots of new thoughts new ideas about just how to play football really understanding the um minute details the fine details um And then just the methodology itself and you know it really challenged me um in terms of growing my confidence with the ball at my feet but also just like being brave to to put yourself under pressure like that um but then you also know that your teammates are there to kind of help you out of it and it's something that the club really believes in so um ultimately being in being at city for seven seven and a half seasons was just just a really cool experience because i got to see it from the the women's team uh the rebranding the inception if you will of this new program and it started out as you know five professional footballers um, who were fortunate enough to train at platte lane um their little academy um and then we so we trained there probably like every day and then on a Tuesday and Friday night, we train at this local college um, at like seven to nine at night, you know, freezing Manchester winters. um, So everyone else could come to training that was working during the day. So um, that was really tough, to be honest. It was was really, really frustrating because like the sessions during the day were so great. They were so zippy and like it really felt like I was improving. And then like the stuff at night was just miserable because it was just horrible weather. Um, But yeah, you learn to kind of put up with it for a bit um, and then got to a point where we thought, come on, like, this isn't exactly what we signed up for. So um, the club decided to take us under the Academy umbrella. And um, when they did that, we started to see a lot of major improvements really, really quickly. They invested in players. So a lot of the players could, Um, either quit their jobs or cut back their hours so they could play football more often so it was more time on the ball more time together um and you could see big improvements um and that was kind of the thing that i was like right you know this is the real deal like if there's an issue they'll 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 solve it because they really want to achieve um you know the first year um the ceo came to a few of our games you know so we thought right like they they are taking an interest in what we're doing um and it was it was cool because like obviously like arsenal had really been paving the way for a long time and then liverpool had had made a bit of a a breakthrough for a few seasons and then obviously like chelsea kind of reinvested and you just really started to see like everyone like kind of trying to push the bar a bit more. And I thought that was really cool. But, um, what I, what I feel like I'm seeing now is rather than just like one club or two clubs kind of like trying to push the bar. Now there's like four clubs and in a few years, maybe there'll be six clubs and in a few years, there'll be probably like eight clubs and hopefully that, um, gap, that disparity, you know, closes a bit more, but at the minute, um, as some of the results have shown, like (laughs) there are several teams have bogey teams, you know, there are, um, historically difficult teams to play against. Um, but to me, the, the level of the football that's being played is, is what really sets it apart. Um, even teams that necessarily don't have the same sorts of budgets still have very technical players or they have a very good tactical understanding. Um, And that is probably the biggest difference that I've noticed between uh, the American League and the English League um, is simply just like (laughs) the the tactical and technical ability. um, Because like the physicality uh, of the NWSL is unreal, absolutely unreal, like the athletes are just incredible. And I think that's what's really exciting about the NWSL is that the talent is spread so evenly that it's a really competitive league and that any team can beat any other team on any given day um i really like that um so that's kind of what i'm looking forward to most but hopefully with the continued um attractiveness to foreign coaches um and players the the league will slowly start to become technically and more tactically um enticing or interesting i hope that's a good summary for you guys
2: <laughs> when when would you say um you know you talked about there it felt like there was a a shift that was pretty noticeable is that you know before the 2015 world cup do you think like leading up to that or was it really around that time or after
0: um now do you mean with england or with the league in particular with the league um i think I think 2014 kind of, at least in my mind, felt like it was going to be slightly different because um, I think Hope Hope Powell had obviously been in charge at England for a very, very long time and she had done very well with what she had. Um, But I think when the FA kind of decided to step in um, and take more of an active role, they also decided to invest in league. Um, so I think they kind of developed, what would you call it? Uh, obviously like rules and regulations about what it takes to become a member of the WSL, um, in terms of, uh, budget, in terms of, you know, you need to be able to prove that you can accommodate these many players, this many coaches for this many years, um, you know, to avoid any sort of, collapse or any sort of team um, going into administration or anything like that. So I think that was one thing that they did did do well, um, was kind of understanding, like there used to be a standard um, across the league. Um, But then also they named a new manager at England. um, And so he was kind of, obviously he was like being backed by the FA as well. So I think that was probably the biggest step forward was just the um, emphasis that they were starting to place on women's football, um, particularly internationally, and then taking control of the league like properly. Um, But then I do genuinely think that the, um, when when City kind of came in, uh, I did feel like a big shift now, maybe I'm biased, I, don't know. I, I couldn't honestly tell you, but I do really feel like people kind of started to sit up and take notice and write, okay, like we need to really up our game here. And I think just like in any other the walk of life, the um, competition breeds success, you know? Um, so I genuinely think that a name like that, you know, everyone wants to knock city off their pedestal, you know, um, there's, there's no doubt about that. They're not everyone's favorite club. Um, so i think people yeah you know we want to invest every game's going to be like a final and we play them so the quality needs to be better the coaches need to be better and so on and so on so i think that just kind of was a bit of a snowball effect um and then obviously 2015 just set women's football alight i think um the success the attention um was obviously the the most success in a world cup that we had um and not to mention the viewership and everything like that so uh it really became just a whole different a whole different level to be honest and then it just kind of has just accelerated since then
2: i have a little bit of a one uh unrelated question but um you obviously faced a ton of really good strikers or shooters in your career so far is there someone where you're like oh my gosh I really never want to see a shot from them again
0: uh gosh um I mean yeah I've played against a lot of great strikers um I'm trying to think you know what? I'm not gonna lie like training with Sam Mewis um that girl can strike a ball uh so yeah um she, she strikes it cleanly and it hurts, <laughs> let's just say that. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think I'm fairly aggressive in my goalkeeping style as well. So when it hits me, it's usually quite close. So anything at that range hurts pretty bad too. Um, but I think like everyone is just so different. Like, you know, when we played against Abby, she was just an absolute, sorry, Abby Wambach, when we played against her, she was absolutely just a powerhouse in the air. You know, so you knew it was going to be a physical challenge. Um, I think, obviously, Marta's just so skillful. You just want to try and do anything you can to not look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I think Sinki is always a good player as well. You know, she's got a lot of finesse um, and a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Um, She's calm in front of goal, you know. Um, so disguise, that's what I was going to say. She can mm-hmm. disguise a strike or a pass into the corner really well. Um, Kelly Smith was always... Oh, God, I think, to be fair, she might be one of the top ones. It wasn't because of the velocity. It was because she was aware of situations. You know, again, she could... If you weren't paying attention, she could lob you from midfield. You know, um, one of those types of things are she could take a quick snapshot because she didn't have much back lift and her left foot was wicked, you know? Um, so little things like that. Um, Tobin's another one that just makes you look silly if you let her. (laughs) Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of really great talent out there. Um, Ellen. Is getting
2: lobbed for a goalkeeper, like getting nutmeg for a field player? Like what is the Uh, worst thing? I don't,
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you that. Cause I don't, as an outfield player, I always just think getting Meg is kind of funny. I don't think <laughs> like you don't concede a goal. Do you know what I mean? Um, getting lobbed just like, yeah, it, it, it's, especially when you're tall, it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> it, it does. It really, it it does suck. You know, like if you, if you get your timing wrong, you know, everyone's just like, Oh, you need a step ladder, rah, 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 you know, like you just get a lot of stick. Um, but, yeah, at the end of the day, the, the game is set up essentially for us to fail <laughs> as a goalkeeper.
1: Is there, any, <laughs> is there anyone in the NWL right now that you're looking forward to, uh, you know, hopefully facing them in a one-on-one based on just uh, reputation or, like, what you've seen on, on highlight reels?
0: I mean, uh, just because I'm a bit... A bias, I think it would just be fun to kind of see Rachel Daly again, you know, and just, as I know she always like uh, takes pretty um, cracking shots, like um, at training and stuff like that. I mean, she's hit a few top bins in a uh, small city games in England a few times against me. And I'm just like, <laughs> um, you know, she, she goes all beast mode, right? Mm-hmm. But um let's see. To be honest, I mean, no one, no one like really jumps out at me. I'm just so excited just to play. Like, I'll, I just, I just want to just. I don't mind. I don't mind. I, it, it's not kind of how I really think. It's just like right. Just let's, let's play and make some saves. To be honest. <laughs> Sorry, that's kind of a boring answer. No,
1: there's no such. Thing. No, it's not a boring answer. <laughs>
2: Uh, we have some, well, all these questions have been fun, but we have some fun ones, even <laughs> more fun ones coming up. Um, but one thing we haven't really talked about is you're you're born in California. Yeah. Um, I think both of your parents are from England.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's. right.
2: Uh, did you, was it a hard decision to choose England at uh, the international stage or from day one?
0: No, not for me. Um, the best way I can put it, and I know this isn't going to make sense to everyone, but The best way I can put it is I grew up in an English household in Southern California. You know, everything we did was, you know, very traditional in the sense of growing up in England, you know, all the customs. um, I'm sure tea jumps to lots of people's minds, but we had plenty of the the, the cups of those and tea bags everywhere. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like like I said, um, my dad would watch football as much as he could. Um, my granddad, like it's every time you rang me, all he and my dad would talk about was football. Um, and then obviously as soon as I kind of got into it, like, I was just inundated with kit from, from my favorite team, from my favorite goalkeeper. All I wanted to do is emulate the saves I saw on TV with Peter Schmeichel and, um, you know, I was, I was obsessed with Eric so I used to flip my collar all the time and all those things. So, um, God, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was never, I mean, I, I, I was taken in for a few under 21 camps, I think of the U S um, but it, this is going to sound terrible, but it just never meant the same thing to me because my family was English. I was representing. Each and every one of my family members. Um, it just meant so much to me. Uh, and one of the most special memories, I think, was when I got my first senior call up. Um, we played Australia in at Burnley at Turf Moor. And my granddad was there with my auntie and my uncle. And um, that was the first time, and potentially the last time that he got to see me in an England kit. So that was was just really meaningful because obviously it meant so much to him and stuff like that so those are the types of things that i think are more meaningful um and that that particular thing is, is what really drove me
1: um uh, so according to your wikipedia article it says your family connections uh with england are through the town of uh, stockport have yeah. you been there? And if you were to write like a tourist guide about Stockport, could like what would you recommend to somebody visiting Stockport?
0: Yeah, don't go. Um <laughs> Yeah, don't go. Uh why would you go to Stockport? Uh no, I'm sorry. Uh, like it's it's a, it's a really interesting, like, I don't know, there's something about it that I really like. Um my mom's from the Heatons. So um heat and more um and i don't know it's just all of at least my mom's side were from there um so i've just got fond memories of when i was younger and we used to just bomb around everyone's house and see everyone and, and stuff like that so um obviously growing up in the states everything was kind of just cute you know everything was so little and different um so yeah, I don't know. It's it's not some it's not a place I would put on my uh on my list of places to see, but um there's just something about Greater Manchester that's just very industrious. <clears throat> it's a hardworking city. Um you know it's, it's 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 kind of like been built up around the Industrial Revolution. So it, it's it's very, very different from a lot of places in America. Um and so there is a bit of a charm, in my opinion, about it that way. But um, there, there are some really cool little, like, it's, it's, it's growing like a cafe-type culture, obviously, before COVID and everything. Like, there were some cool coffee shops, some really great little restaurants popping up, um, and, like, some quirky little market halls and things like that it were just pretty cool. But, um, yeah, to be most, to be honest, I, I live in uh, just outside the city center, so I don't get to, to Stockport much these days. But... I've got lots of fond memories of running around local parks, um, doing uh, (laughs) Don Scott sessions and things like that, and getting chased by dogs. So, yeah, good times.
1: (laughs) I'm just looking forward to this episode going uh, out in the public airwaves, and then no, I'm not, later, not. We, we get yeah, we like get a sternly worded letter from the Stockport Tourist Council saying, uh, taking umbrage to <laughs> to your testimonial about don't go.
0: Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, you know, it, it, look. Okay, do, do me a favor, and maybe this will add some perspective go on Wikipedia and write Gorton and, and you'll probably know why you don't want to go there. <laughs> it's um, yeah, that's not too far from where I live, so. <laughs> okay.
1: But yeah, as uh, Susie alluded to earlier, we do have a series of uh, more fun uh, questions. You, like some of these questions we've asked uh, your, uh, your other uh, OLA uh, teammates over the course of the years. And um, we've had uh, some fun uh, responses uh, to a lot of them. So I'm just going to go ahead with the first one that always seems, that seems to have divided the locker room over the years. Uh, Where do you, Karen, stand on pineapple on pizza?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I like a sweet and
2: savory. Nice. (laughs) That one's about 50-50 in the locker room, which is Alluded to, yeah. And some strong opinions on both sides.
0: Really? Mm -hmm. I I would say I'm kind of in the middle, like I could live with it or without it, but I don't hate it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, on the side of like completely loving it, uh Bethany Balser completely loves it. On the completely hates it is uh Jess Fishlock.
0: Oh my well, that makes sense, yeah. (laughs) really sounds like a welsh type specialty but <laughs> oh, that's great
1: uh next question um okay if a movie were to be made about your life who would you want to play you
0: god um <laughs> yeah um I'm just—I think I'm going to stick with one of my original answers that I spoke to you guys about before the uh, the show started. But um, I'm just so unique that I just don't think anyone could do it right other than me. <laughs> that is a completely
1: uh, valid answer. You're the first one to actually say that, because uh, that, everyone else has named, you know, a famous actress so and so, but you're the first one to say, "No, I'm just—I'm going to play myself."
0: I think I'd be all right. Oh, you know, I'd be a decent actress. No, um, I really haven't got a clue. And to be honest, I feel like every female actress at the minute, all their names are eluding me. So (laughs) I don't know, like, I guess maybe Natalie Portman, because she's like into football, I don't know, but maybe she's a bit too small to play me. (laughs) That's what CGI is for. Right, right, just low camera angles. It works for Tom Cruise. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) God, I'm gonna get like stick from every angle now, aren't I? <laughs> we're hearing from like Tom Cruise's lawyer. <laughs> Gosh.
1: Susie, do you want to ask some of the questions or am I? Sure,
2: I'll so- go next. Uh, we did a little extra research on you and learned you were quite a javelin thrower. Do you remember the furthest you've thrown it?
0: First, I'd like to say don't believe everything you read on the internet. Um, secondly, I was a javelin thrower. Um, uh, I don't remember how far I threw it, but at the time I do remember that it was a school record, <laughs> which was really random. But yeah, it, it in comparison to like top javelin throws, it was probably crap. <laughs> but uh, it was certainly fun because I got to spend an extra season with uh, some of my best friends. Um, so I decided to do that after I got my red shirt year.
2: <laughs> Did you run any...
0: Any- no, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not fast. And um after I broke both my legs, they were not good for high jumping repetitively on. So I thought, well, oh, I'll just throw stuff. <laughs> uh
2: we also maybe the, the internet has lied, but I don't think so about this one either. Um you're serial fan, is that true?
0: Uh I mean, I sure. <laughs> I mean.
2: <Yeah. laughs> I don't know many
0: people that don't like cereal, but yeah, okay.
2: You could only have one brand for the rest of your life. Which brand of cereal would you choose?
0: Oh man. Well, I like Special K um, with red berries to be specific. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of boring and it's very like (laughs) adulty. So if I had to pick like more of like a, a childish cereal, it would probably anything with marshmallows in it. So <laughs> was it like Lucky Charms or <laughs> stuff like that? Yeah.
2: Got to get you a special K endorsement, though.
0: Well, I think it'd be great. Yeah. Just add a B on there and you're set. So <laughs> I've actually got a big box over there. I'm just looking at it. <laughs> like, Oh, God. <laughs> Put it away. Come on, Kellogg's.
1: The cereal question was inspired from a clip that we saw on um, Manchester City's YouTube page where one of the questions was asking you uh, about like your three favorite cereal brands.
0: Oh, right. OK, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope I answered Special K as one of them. <laughs> I probably I didn't. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my go-to. Just makes me feel good. <laughs>
1: All right, Karen, if you were in charge of the team's match day playlist, uh, what three songs you put on there?
0: Um, well, I think, um, oh, gosh, it, you got to know the you got to know the audience. Um, so I think if it was just me listening to it, it would completely 100 percent depend on my mood. Um, <laughs> I'm very much like mood driven when it comes to music. So even like a chill song could like really fire me up, but, um, yeah, I've got quite an eclectic taste. So, um, I think one of my all time favorite songs is hollow notes. You make my dreams. Um, nice. it's just a fun, I think everyone kind of loves that song. Um, there was a song that I just don't think many people are going to know it, but some of the girls back at Citywood. but it's by, a it's, it's called Risky by, <laughs> Davi, is it Davido or Davido and Popcon? Um, so yeah, you might want to look that one up. It's kind of fun. But uh, I think an all time favorite is probably like Candy Stain, Candy Stanton, uh, Stanton, sorry, uh, Young Hearts Run Free. That's always a fun one that just gets people kind of like in a good mood. But then um, like Whitney Houston, a million dollar bill (laughs) like little things like that like i'm a big fan of like 90s r&b um but then also some like really random stuff thrown in there like 50 cent best friend is like a good one that's just like okay yeah let's just listen to this right now it's not really gonna get anybody like fired up but it's gonna put people in a good mood hopefully oh and jagged edge um the remix though like let's get married that's a good that's a good song.
1: <laughs> you do realize some of these songs that you just named off, like some of your teammates were like still going through elementary school when those songs came out.
0: I've got fractures older than some of my teammates. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time it, I think when I, God, like over lockdown, I was um, listening to some really terrible, terrible music, like really random music, like, from the 70s like i think phil collins and stuff like that and i was just like oh my god i'm so old
2: <laughs> the teenage boys brought phil collins back over lockdown um i don't know if you know
0: got- are you joking
2: yeah they did these like reaction listens <laughs> to classic songs and that's amazing yeah, oh, we' yeah.
1: jamming out to uh, in the air tonight and it went <laughs>
0: yeah you, know, you got it right yeah. I mean it's a hangover if Mike Tyson is gonna do it then it's okay right <laughs> yep but oh gosh I am a sucker for classic rock though my dad um introduced me to that when I was a kid so it just reminds me of our commutes to all the tournaments and training sessions so yeah um I'm a bit of a soft rock fan as well so I get some Fleetwood Mac in there. <laughs> But yeah, you, very random you I don't think you want me in charge if I'm playing my own music if I know everyone else <laughs> and what they want to hear, then it's fine
1: <laughs> so you had just uh recently completed a quarantine so you can join up with uh oil rain and and do some training <laughs> with them. Was okay. there anything notable on the in terms of something you watched uh or listened to or read during uh you know the quarantine before you could uh hit the field with uh the team <laughs>
0: um I, I wouldn't say there's any anything interesting that i read at, at the time it was mostly just like health insurance paperwork <laughs> um and i was watching a lot of netflix um kind of went back and did the whole like homeland thing um so that was pretty crazy um i left off at season three like years ago and oh. kind of came back to it and i was like oh i actually should have stopped kept watching this um what else did i do uh like i said some terrible music um also some good music i had some kitchen discos you know um by myself <laughs> uh what else did i watch on netflix um ooh. gosh just thinking now Oh, I discovered Peacock. I discovered that. So I watched um, a bunch of the the Premier League games on Peacock. And uh, I think I watched I Am Legend. It was just something that popped up. Um, I can't remember. Must have been really good, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just a bunch of random stuff. I think I watched like The Conjuring. I just, I don't know. I was in a lot of like really strange moods um oh that was one the Cecil Hotel one do you remember that have you heard, did you have you seen that
1: I have not Susie's nodding her head oh.
2: as I don't think I've seen it but I've heard I heard of it yeah watch it it's interesting okay. I mean
0: if you're into that kind of thing if you're not then you're probably like nah but um I do like a bit of a like a docu drama slash documentary type thing um so yeah that's that's pretty interesting I don't want to like tell people too much about it in case they want to watch it. But I actually do remember um when this was on in the news as well.
2: <laughs> I totally forgot the name, but we actually did watch watch it. Yeah. And yeah, it's like the happening or
0: something at Seesa the something disappearance at a Hotel or mm-hmm. something like that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that was uh... a <laughs>
2: Disturbing, but like you can't stop watching. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. I'm trying to think of what else is kind of similar. It's like *The Handmaid's Tale*. Like you can't stop watching it, but you're like, I really shouldn't be. Should not be enjoying this right now.
1: <laughs> there was one question that we intentionally withheld from you because it's we're treating it as like a surprise trivia question for you, Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going back into the memories. Do you remember how many saves you recorded in your freshman season at Cal state Fullerton?
0: Like total? Yes. Uh, I'm just going to pull out like a ballpark 108.
1: Uh, you're a bit over it's 88.
0: 88. Okay. I was like, how good were we? I don't remember. (laughs) Oh gosh. I do remember one season, I think we played Texas A&M away, and I think I made 13 saves in one game. Um, yeah, I remember I was pretty busy that night. <laughs>
2: 88, okay, that's not all right. a lot for, I mean, the college season's not that long, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember uh, made, making a lot of saves at Fullerton. <laughs> that uh,
1: that game where you logged uh, so many saves against Texas A&M, you should uh, – do a bit of story time with um, your teammates Ali Watt and cassette more yeah. from am
0: yeah that would be interesting actually this like see if they they remember like an epic story about them playing some crap team from Orange County <laughs> <laughs> just kidding Fullerton I love you <laughs> tighten up
2: <laughs> okay.
1: and then, uh, um, most recently we saw on um, Instagram stories that uh There was a a furry companion with you. Is that your dog?
0: Yeah, that is Walter. Um, I got Walter just before Christmas. Um, He is a Labrador. Uh, He's black and he's adorable. Um, And he's also really well behaved, ask anyone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, I knew like I've been putting it off for ages, getting a dog. I've always wanted one. And it's honestly the best thing I've ever done. And everyone was always telling me, oh, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time. And I thought, you know, if I do it, if I just jump in, I'm going to make it work. Um, And he's clearly become like a big priority for me. But um, to be honest, he offers me so much more than I could ever give him. I think Um, just that uh, companionship. I mean, he was a big, big... uh, part of getting me through Christmas, um, you know, in lockdown, <laughs> not being able to come back to California. So, um, from like a mental health standpoint, he's just hand on heart, changed my life. Um, so yeah, he's just my little, my little mate, <laughs> but yeah, he bless him. He, um, he's jet lagged. <laughs> he came off a 10 a hour flight in a crate. Oh, oh um i just really felt for him it must have been really scary but um yeah he's all right now he's he's um been running around with the girls today and yesterday he met loads of um he's got loads of aunties now and he's got some new dog friends um but yeah yeah he is jet lagged so he keeps waking me up at like two four o'clock in the morning which is pretty annoying but uh he's actually asleep now so (laughs) Should probably take him out soon. <laughs> Keep him awake.
2: Well, we typically like to um, give you the last word if you want to say anything. If you want to give any shout outs to anyone who may be listening or just a note to OL Rain fans, the last word is all yours. Oh dear.
0: Um, <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was like onomatopoeia just the last word but like i just don't think that's really suitable um <laughs> i think probably just um you know i guess just a shout out to yeah ol fans ol rain fans like um i'm really excited to be here and although it's only short term like i'm just really looking forward to getting started and trying to put our best foot forward because it's such a great city such a great group of girls and you know we really want to we really want to represent everyone here so well because they've been so good to me anyway and I think um yeah I think there's a lot of really special things ahead um so yeah we we just really appreciate the uh the full-bodied support that you guys are going to offer us so um big thanks and Finally, I'd like to offer a shout out to my parents. I'm back in the same time zone. Yay! <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, hopefully, when uh, games are are underway, uh, your parents can make the trip up to you know to Tacoma and catch you and watch you in person.
0: Yeah, I would love that. I'm just counting down the counting down the months when they're allowed. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, Karen, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. It was really nice to meet you all.
1: (laughs) Likewise, and we hope to uh, see you and the rest of the team on the field uh, in the not-too-distant future.
0: All right. That sounds good to me.